Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. What if you came back now to our new world, the city roaring, there on the old peaceful camping place of your red fires along the quiet water? Welcome to Three Pagans Around Grandfather Fire, the 34th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat, recorded with the podcast Around Grandfather Fire. Our opening today is courtesy of 20th century Aboriginal poet and political activist, Udgero Nunikel. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meat. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. So we're doing something different this episode uh-huh. because we've already recorded this episode. We recorded it at Convocation with Sarenth Odinson and James Stovall, who are the people from the Around Grandfather Fire podcast. Yes. You're going to hear that soon. It's already recorded and edited and everything, but we wanted to give you all a little bit of extra stuff because obviously we didn't do our usual like Thanks. bits. Friendly our, banter. Our banter. Well, we did so, our banter, but we didn't do our bits. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> you're going to hear a little bit of us like you normally would. Uh-huh. And then we'll segue into Around Grandfather Fire. Yep. And, and then I'll, I'll splice different. these bits in, hopefully. Hopefully I won't just <laughs> stack them all up at the end. But we'll see how it goes. <laughs> our first commercial today comes from our tiger Lorelei for the Georgia-based shop Otherworld Creations. Featuring jewelry, altarpieces, devotional art, and decorative items fashioned out of bones, teeth, jaws, claws, and fur of departed critters. Lorelei believes that these remains have their own energy and spirit, the same way that plants and stone do, and that these can be tapped into and worked with. Whether your assistant is a rat skull spirit idol, rib bone incense burner, or deer antler pendant, most of the remains used in otherworld creations are found already dead, and some are traded from hunters who have otherwise discarded these remains. You can follow Otherworld Creations on Instagram at Otherworld underscore Creations Co. or find them on Facebook. Or you can contact them at OtherworldCreationsCo at gmail.com for inquiries or commissions. All right, so this is Three Pagans and a Cat. It's a dual cast? It's a dual cast. cast. Yeah, so you may call me Ode. I'm Carr. Mary Meat. My name is Gwyn. I am James Stowall. I am Soren Thodenson. And where are you guys from? We are from the podcast Around Grandfather Fire. Okay. So I know, like, so, so the big thing, I think, for one of the three-pack people, uh, <laughs> uh, so in particular, Ode, who has talked about Sarenth since, was since it convocation? Episode, yeah, it was I mean, our convocation episode. So episode three. <laughs> you have to understand, yeah. Sarenth. When your name comes up in Ode's mind or in her conversation, it's like... So they've been teasing me about this from so, the beginning. So, <laughs> so last year at convocation, you basically changed Ode's entire yep. mindset around the runes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Off I had I had just started studying the runes, and I took your rune workshop that you did, and. Mm. I had never thought about the runes the way you presented them, and I basically had to like scrap my whole system and start over. Oh, well, you're welcome. With yeah, <laughs> with, with the with the new mindset from what I learned from you. So I talked about you all the way home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talked about that class. Yeah. yeah, and the runes and what Ode learned, and we heard about it several days later. <laughs> <laughs> 
I cannot take sole soul credit for that. My elder, Galina Kraskova, was the one that brought me to these understandings. She picked over the outline for that class, produced a lot of really good commentary, and it made me the person I am today. That's very cool. Well, now now you're passing that down to Ode because that's really changed how Ode does everything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, had significant impact. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, we kind of got together because there's a service out there that allows podcasters to try to get guests. Right. And that car signed up for without telling anyone. Right. That I signed up for because I was like, (laughs) oh, it'd be cool to have guests. Well, our first our first speaking engagement at MPF. He just signed. He was just like, we'll teach these classes. And then he told us after After, they've been accepted. After they've been accepted. I was like, oh, by the way. By the way, we're teaching. I was like, what do you, what the fuck do you mean we're teaching? We're not teachers. What are we teaching? I am, but you know, not this. Yeah, yeah. So you're now forced into this. Uh, But but, literally, we just were like, what? But through that service, Service, James contacted me and said, hey, we'd be really into this. Uh, Sarenth actually listens to your podcast. Which blew our minds. And then Ode <laughs> went absolutely ballistic for about two weeks going, Sarenth listens to our podcast. <laughs> and, and what do you mean he wants to be on it? <laughs> we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Nonsense, uh, I listen to your podcast. <laughs> well, we often say we're definitely we're not, not experts, experts on please this. Don't, please don't take us as experts on anything, please. No, but compliments to y'all, really. There's Every episode is just so packed with information. Oh, I really mm-hmm. like your format and all the things that you're presenting. It's it's a really amazing podcast. Well, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's, been a, it's been a... We a, went back and listened to our early stuff recently because we <laughs> oh, just hit a year. Oh, man, do Holy I understand crap. that feeling. And we were like... The, our very first episode, we had this whole plan where, like, a- every month we were, we're going to cover different phases the, of the, the different kinds of the moon. <laughs> oh, right. And immediately after the first episode, we never returned to that concept <laughs> again. <laughs> I forgot about it. Because our second episode was neo-paganism and sexual abuse because the Isaac Bonowitz thing had just come oh, out. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, oh, gosh, I guess we need to cover, cover this. this. yeah. And then and, we did convocation. And then we did convocation. And so we just never got back to it. Yeah, and I'm an ADF member, so, you know, I'm like, oh, gosh, I've got, I've at yeah, least yeah, got yeah, to yeah. talk about um, this yeah. yeah right and we started the wheel of the year and then it was building your book mm-hmm. and it was yeah. like <laughs> yeah for a while there we always knew what we were talking about because we had start, started two series like at yeah. the very beginning of our yeah. podcast yeah, yeah. I don't know what the, so the wheel know what of the year thinking. basically you know it's every six weeks or so we're talking about that because we want to get it out two weeks before right. the mm-hmm. event actually happens so people can get the content before the holiday happens right. Right. And, yeah. and those have by far been our biggest listenership mm-hmm. wow. normally we average eh, 3,000, 3,500 per episode. And wow. those are around five to six. We have yeah. one that's at eight now. That's yeah. Yule, I think. I think yeah. the Yule episode, yeah. 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 It's amazing. And uh, people, really people like go episodes. back and listen. Like, it makes no months sense later. to me. Months <laughs> later. Like, that one's, oh, like, Yule happened already, people. Right? Don't like, worry. People are <laughs> still <laughs> listening to it. We get listeners who say, I just got done marathoning your entire list. And we're like, are you okay? Right? This yeah. Yeah. Originally, people would be like, we marathoned your whole thing. I would be like, well, it's eight episodes. That's a work day. Now it's like 31 episodes. I'm like, are you? Are you okay? Right. Have you been sick recently? <laughs> Do you have a very long commute? Yeah. Because our episodes average about an hour ten. Yeah. yeah. You know, so they're a little bit longer than the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, our first two episodes were like forty minutes, and then everything else since then has been like, Expanded. how can we? Then we started. These down then we started to... adding in stuff. So we we're like, well, we'll start reviewing things. Right. And right. then we started doing the little segments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so getting around in 
hour and 40 minutes, two hours at this point in time, because we're doing, we've been really blessed with a lot of really amazing guests lately, so Mm -hmm. we're doing deep dives. We're like, hey, the stuff that you never get to talk about anywhere else, let's talk about that. And so two hours later, we're like, well, we should stop. We could probably go another hour, but we probably should stop. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, uh... I mean, our goal is 60 minutes, but, but we never, ever we hit, never it. hit it, and we hit we're almost always over. And actually, Our last episode, been... we were two hours long. I managed to cut it down in the edit to an hour and a half. Yeah. That's pretty impressive in yeah. the own right. Really. <laughs> but let's, let's get around. Yeah, let's talk know, about let's Around talk Grandfather about Fire. Around Grandfather Fire. How did you guys get started doing this? What is the premise of your podcast? So this is all Jim's fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the, the, the short version is that I'm friends with Andre Vittles, and he had a podcast for a long uh, period of time called Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. But the marathon of a podcast, especially a weekly mm-hmm. podcast, gets to you pretty uh-huh. heavily. And so at some point in time, he said, you know, you've been on several times as a guest. Would you consider having your own show and alternating with me? And so that was The Jaguar and the Owl. That was the show I started, and that was on Pair X. It was an hour long, and, you know, no, it, it was it was pretty good, and Sarah became a frequent guest. And I'm like, we're such good friends anyway. Okay, you're just going to be the co-host. This <laughs> makes it a lot easier. Me, we me. together. So you were drafted. Yeah, is what yeah, I the bus method. Right. right yeah, <laughs> you were voluntold. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we did that for what two and a half three years three something years. like that um, and, yeah. and then we kind of hit a burnout point ourselves sure. yeah. we took uh, took about two years off I think yep, roughly two year hiatus. and I said it's, it's time to get started again but this time we're getting away from a structured format we are going to talk about shamanism and animism and spirituality but I want Free reign. I want to be able to mm-hmm. swear because that's an important part of our practice. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And we're going to talk about books and comic books and movies and everything else because I came to the realization that at Michigan Pagan Fest, we'd have these amazing conversations around the sacred fire. You'd get people wandering in, wandering out, yep. other elders, other teachers, and you never knew which direction the, the conversation was going to go, but there's always these really powerful lessons in it. I said, let's see if we can replicate that. So yeah. that's what we're aiming for. That's very, that's very cool. cool. So you're yeah. live on mic and you're normally via like Skype or something? Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. So we've never done the Skype. Well, we tried. We tried tried once with Bill L. Oh, right. uh, From Pagans in Need, but it just ended up being a We could not get the Skype to work. Yeah. Skype is its own challenge. We do have things drop out. The main editing I do is editing out those drop-outs. They do happen. And then we've had important lessons along the way there, too. Mm -hmm. Um, In the last few episodes, we have discovered that Sarah and I really need to video chat during these Skype conversations. Because we were trying to do it just by audio cues, and we kept ending up with those moments where I was expecting him to talk, mm-hmm. he was expecting me to talk. So now we have the little video up, so our guests can see us too. But like, and I see him lean into the mic, I know he's going. Yeah, yeah. Kick back yep. And yeah. yep. very and cool. We're kind of weird. Because we do this. It's right. one mic on a table, yeah. and we all three sit around it. And if you've listened to it on headphones, mm-hmm. like, Ode comes out of both ears. Mm-hmm. Wind comes out right of here. the left ear, mm-hmm. I come out of the right <laughs> ear. Because we do the stereo <laughs> mix down through the mic. The mic yep. just does a stereo thing. It's how it's built. And then we just talk over each other. Right, yeah, we talk <laughs> over each other. We do that even with the okay. video. Yeah. I understand. Yep. So the funny thing is, like, we've had people start asking for transcripts. Oh, God. And oh. You, you, can't, you cannot oh machine. Transcript our show because we, too much we talk. Yeah, we talk. Over and there, and it's expensive to get yeah. a, to get a program right. to get someone to do it for you. Yeah. So I finally said, okay, YouTube will transcribe it, but you sort of, to, sort of. <laughs> so you have to 
we are uploading some of our episodes eventually. We'll get them all up there. And so if they go to YouTube now, they can turn on the closed caption. They can turn on the closed caption. The closed caption is on there, and then it'll give you an option for transcripts. But it's all jumbled, so you have to kind of really figure out <laughs> maybe because it because it's just so difficult to yeah. machine translate. It right. kind of is like a, a jumble of words. Yeah, we got to We have to figure out a better solution. We do. We do. I actually talked to a trans. You can even figure it confused Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a point of pride, I think. But I figured, hey, at least it's there. Right. It's yeah. something. Um, we had some some listeners saying, hey, we'd really like transcripts because I'm. I'm well, I want to study it. it more. I want to yeah. study it more. There, there's some things that you said that I. I want to... You talk too fast and I can't take notes. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, YouTube, babies, that's your best option right now. Yeah. I did just talk to a transcriptionist today, so hopefully yeah, so we'll, hopefully get we'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll out. figure out something. And I don't know if you all know Corvus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So one of the lady who does editing for all of his books and stuff also does transcription service. Right. Oh, yeah. So I was like, all right, well, yeah. well at least... less inclined to get all the language and little funny... Right, right yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Specific uh, words. That yeah, all the terminology. Wrong, so. yeah. Yeah. yeah, we had to go explicit on our podcast because yeah. iTunes emailed me and went, it's either that or we're going to take you we're down. Gonna, I was like, right. oh, Don't I'll go. And we're like, well, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll go explicit we'll and call go it explicit. good. Uh-huh. I could edit all the swear out, but it would be really awkward. Yeah. yeah. Plus, I think it just, you know, we're just being ourselves. Right. And we were talking about that earlier, before we turned the mic on. We got started doing this whole thing, mm-hmm. because we would have these conversations at home. Exactly like what you're hearing yep. on the mic. Yep. Except what, even more strident, usually. Right, yeah, 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 exactly. And so, we thought, and so Carr was just like, well, what do you think if we just do this on a mic and share it with people, and maybe they'll get something out of it. And, and so, well, we were I like, okay. thought, like, maybe Maybe a whole 20 people on earth were going to give oh, a yeah. shit. <laughs> and I was proven wrong almost immediately. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't know where you people came from, but <laughs> I, I, I appreciate your presence. <laughs> now, do you all do a Patreon? We don't currently. We have okay. talked we about it. We did one in the past for the, the previous show. Right now, we're just trying to sort that out a little mm-hmm. bit. Okay. So you guys have had great with success with your we have. Yeah, we really have. We are just yeah. a lot more than I had ever expected. Oh yeah, we we love our we love all of our listeners. Our pride is what we call them, mm-hmm. and uh, and we are got all so, those cat names. Yeah, yeah. all those cat <laughs> names. But we are just so blessed with the people that have chosen to support us. And every time we get a new one, we're just like, thank you so much, because I feel like we can't thank people enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they don't know how helpful that is to us right. to keep the podcast it's going. Not, it's not inexpensive to it's, do a podcast. No, it's, it's right. very yeah. expensive. You know, there's the server because right. we yeah. have to pay Fireside to, to yep. keep the website and to keep the archive up. Yep. There's the, yeah. you know, the software and and then if we want to do anything like this, you know, if we want to come to a festival, you know, and do interviews with well-known authors, that costs money. Right. Yeah. And so our Patreon patrons help offset that cost. Yeah. Yeah. And it means so much. You know, so I think, thank you again, patrons. <laughs> yeah. We'd love for it to, you know, ultimately be this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Right. I heard that you guys are getting closer to that. Though. Oh, well, it's only been a year. <laughs> uh, I mean, still, I mean, I know you guys have talked about getting a lot closer to that. that well, dream goal, so. we're getting closer to our, our, first, our, first, goal. First, goal. our yeah, first goal. Yeah, which is owed working full time yeah. uh-huh. on the podcast. And going from a bi-weekly format to a weekly format. That'd be amazing. Mm. That's what we're talking about. Which we, especially early on, we had a lot of people asking Mm -hmm. for us to upload more frequently. And we were like, we can't do that right now. Yeah. We have life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm no longer working an outside job. 
So that frees me up to do more. Right now she's writing I'm the writing Building Your book. book book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm writing a book based on Building Your Book. Very cool. Yeah. Series. So we are hoping that if people want to continue to support, that if they want us to go to a weekly format, mm-hmm. that, you know. We'll get there. We'll get there. That's how that happens. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. we're about halfway there in terms of the, the goal we put on for our Patreon was $750 a month. Mm-hmm. And we're at 300-something. Yeah. 360-something, so. yeah. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> when we started the Patreon, I told them, guys, we're going to get a maximum of $50 a month. Just be fine with it. <laughs> and we Don't were. expect to make money on this. Yeah, and, and then the money kept coming in, and I was like, all right, I take it back, I guess. <laughs> I know you all use Anchor. Yeah. We're yes. using Fireside. We're not sponsored by Fireside, but you guys should take a look at it. And anybody who podcasts, quite honestly. Yeah, honestly, we've been really, really satisfied with the service. It's yeah. constantly updating I'm curious new what's features with Anchor because they were just bought out by Spotify. They were uh, yes. yeah. So that's I'm right. really curious yeah. that that's going to change yeah. with their Fireside has Spotify integration so yeah. it gets yeah. cross posted. It gets cross posted automatically to Spotify just about to everywhere quite yeah. honestly Stitcher yeah. I mean they it's all It's great we don't have to so worry about it. We had somebody who wanted to listen to yours who was struggling to find yeah, it on Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. posted a link up. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Usually if you search around Grandfather Fire it pops up on Yeah. Yeah, it's the first the first it's the first Link right. on Google yeah. if you search the, yeah. Which, by the, the same, name of the podcast. By the way, we should say we love your podcast. Oh, yeah, you yeah. should much. know that because you can tell we talk a lot. So jump in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't wait for a spot. Just make one. <laughs> Just, make Just make a spot. Yeah. If you've listened at all to the podcast, you know that we talk over each other. Exactly. So feel free to talk over us. Our second commercial comes from our Tiger Reel for Relic Designs, spelled R E L L I K Designs. Relic Designs produces wire wrap jewelry from amethyst points wrapped with coils of silver to bracelets of braided bronze and silver chainmail links. Real works in all types of metals from copper to titanium and accepts custom commissions. You'll find Relic Designs on Facebook at Relic Designs or on Instagram at Relic.Designs. There are a couple of imposter Relic Designs out there, so make sure you get the dots and the spacings right and accept no substitutions. You've been. When did you all get to convocation? We got here Wednesday. Well, we arrived what, yesterday afternoon. Yesterday afternoon. Three o'clock ish, I guess it was. Three or four, something like that. Had anything entertaining or interesting go on so far? I had two really, really good back to back death and dying workshops I went to. Okay. Mm-hmm. Names escape me right now, but the first one was on being a death doula. Oh. And the second one was on end of life care and the processes that you need to go through in order to make sure that your wishes are observed mm-hmm. and some of the legal requirements and how DNRs work. So back to back, it was really it was a really powerful time to listen into how the death doula system works here. Uh, we were one of the first adopters. We were the first three adopters in the states for the death doula certification. Now it's not required yet. But there's work being done where death doula is actually a certified process to fill in the gaps between hospice care and lawyers and families gotcha. and funeral homes. So it, it provides a really powerful method of, of healing and integrating information. So it's one of the things I'm very deeply interested in, given my work with Odin and Hella. And so it's one of those things I'm, I'm dipping my toes in and going, hmm, I wonder. Yeah, right. Yeah. That and sounds very interesting. The end of life care, you know, none of us are getting out of here alive. 
alive. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Sorry, folks. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, you know, entropy wins. <laughs> knowing what you want and how you want it to go off and having, this is the disposition of my body, this is how I want to be taken care of, these are the ceremonies, these are the people to contact in the ceremonies, this is where my stuff goes. Having all that, and having that dialogue now, mm-hmm. not just with your relatives, but with your friends, making sure everybody's on the same page, and then doing that conversation again and again and again was really emphasized in that workshop. It was fantastic. Gotcha. It, it sounds fantastic, because last year in May, I was diagnosed with cancer, and so I had to have surgery, and during that process of getting ready for the surgery, they had me fill out a whole packet yeah. of information on what are my wishes if something should happen during surgery, what I want, you know, mm-hmm. to be put on life support. And you had to have us witness it. Uh, yeah. Yep, they had to witness it, and it's now in the hospital system in the state of Michigan. Honestly, I had ne- it had never occurred to me to do that. Keep in mind that if you have a DNR on file, that may not transfer between hospitals. Mm-hmm. That's okay. something I found out from that workshop. Gotcha. Uh, kudos to the workshop folks. They were really clear that if you have a DNR or living will or any kind of advanced directive, mm-hmm. you need to double, triple check with every single facility that you are in, no matter what the length of time To make is, sure it's right? there. Make sure yeah. the handoff's there. Yeah. Well, and Sarah had a pretty good handle on a lot of this stuff going in because he had worked at a funeral home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was able to know just from listening how quality level the class was and what good information right. was, which was extremely helpful. Yeah. Last night I went to the white face of hell class in the evening and one of the things somebody in the who was an attendee brought up was the fact that not all states honor dnrs in fact you can have a a living will a dnr and your family someone one person in your family can challenge it take it to court Mm -hmm. and then and then that person ends up getting put on life support even though that was not their their wish wish. making sure your poas are in order your power of attorney Mm -hmm. that is number one that is number one because anybody with that power who's in line, mm-hmm. you know, say uh, something happens to both you and car at the same time, mm-hmm. and you'd be the first one in line. Of, yep. So, you know, you'd be the decision maker at that point. Well, you can't make that decision. Now's the time while you're all still relatively well right. and healthy to say, hey, I know I can't handle this. Yeah. Give the POA to somebody else. Right. Right. Well, yeah. and that's important really in the, in the, well, in the and neo-pagan the- community because... Mm-hmm. So many people are coming from families that are Christian. That's right. right. Yeah, this is the thing. So you might be better off selecting someone else that has aligned beliefs within Mm -hmm. the pagan community and making sure those powers of attorney are lined up. Yeah. Yeah. Before Mm -hmm. something happens, or else, Mm -hmm. you know, you end up with a Christian burial. Right. Exactly. Well, because there's every chance that I'll have to fight the rest of y'all's families to get your wishes met. Yeah. Because they're all Christian. I'm willing to have that fight Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I don't care. If I burn bridges, your, your brother will stand up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but that's a you know that's yeah. that's a fight I'll probably have to have at some point. Certainly with my mother. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because my mother would want a salvation message taught during uh-huh. it, just yeah. in case. Yeah, yeah. right. You know, yep. my son went to hell, but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. And here's how. Uh, come up to the casket now and renew your vows to Christ. <laughs> oh my God. 
that. She that's, that's, uh-huh. yeah. that's why I want to be on a, you know, I know we can't do it legally anymore, but I want to be on a raft and have arrows, you know, <laughs> shot, shot at you. and go in flames <laughs> and then sent down the river. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I want that. On the other hand, my mother wants her ashes something. sprinkled all over the Capitol grounds. Which is illegal. Yeah. Which is illegal. Totally illegal. We're like, yeah. sure. Sure, we'll figure that out. Cut a hole in the Cut pants pocket. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> it was an accident. I don't know what to tell you. Although, to be uh-huh. fair, I went to a memorial service for a lady who, um, she wanted her ashes put at the flower pots at a mall. And so, somebody what? did that. They did that. Her family, yeah. they each got, you know, portions of, of her ashes, and they all went, and they just like, do, 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 do. You're not watching me as I dump this into uh-huh. this flower bed here. It's fertilizer. <laughs> I cannot imagine liking the mall enough to I do know. that. Oh, apparently she was a shopaholic. Right. It was like her, that was her therapy. She would go there. So I was like, okay, different lady, strokes for different whatever folks. you want. Yeah, exactly. If that's important to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I cannot imagine wanting to do that. Some folks go to Helheim, some folks go to Briarwood. <laughs> I think at one point I talked with my children about doing a, having some kind of a, a treasure hunt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, we had a whole plan yep. for a while there of we were going to bury you and Carr in separate graveyards uh-huh. and set up a scavenger hunt to get to one to the other. <laughs> nice. That could go in either direction. Yep. You'd start at one grave, follow the scavenger trail across oh, the right. United States to the other one. That's like geocaching for the dead. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> told my wife, stop at all our favorite places. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. I told my wife I want a, a headstone that says, here lies Shaman Jim. If you make good offerings, he might help you. And I said, this is good for at least a century of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> like a hundred years of laying there, like, wow, these kids are <laughs> really crazy asses. <laughs> Oh, a chicken! Actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I used, I'll make it into the, all the haunted Michigan books. It'll be great. <laughs> I love it. That's fabulous. So when I was in college, I lived behind a mortuary. Sweet. And I was friends. Or actually, I was in high school at uh-huh. the time, and I was friends with the son whose parents owned the mortuary. Mm-hmm. This is in West Palm Beach, Florida. Yeah, we went to the same college. So. Right. I so, know a couple of guys who worked there. And <laughs> so every once in a while, Jason would run over to my house and knock on the door, and he goes, "A Kennedy has died. You want to come watch us drain the blood?" And I'm like, "It's a Kennedy, sure. You know, <laughs> you know. Of course, I'm going to go see that. Let's go watch some famous blood drain." Yeah. Um, and then, like, I've, I've had, like, <laughs> I've had some of the weirdest jobs in the entire world. So the majority of my career has been entertainment industry. But in the gaps. But in the gaps between, like, an entertainment job here and an entertainment job here. Because he had to, you know, provide for his family. Right. I took one, my, the one that they love the most the is children, that yeah. I took a job as a landscape architect. Oh, excellent. At a perpetual care cemetery, which basically meant gravedigger. I like to give like the list and then add that one at the end, Great just tack it on there. Yeah. And people Record label watch. owner, DJ, blah 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 blah, grave digger. Yeah, yeah um, and Ode has never. And just watch. I just like to watch the double takes. Yeah. Ode has never forgiven Carr because he had promised that he she could go to plant the yeah, pansies. Plant yeah. the pansies at the <laughs> at the, the graveside. Yeah. yeah, when I was a kid, couldn't wasn't, and then never happened. Yeah, because oh. I got another job. And mm-hmm. we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, this, oh. you never make a was... promise to a five-year-old and don't keep it. <laughs> this was a source of strife in our family for many moons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
But probably, I don't I mean, you worked at a funeral home. I did. So the weirdest thing I've ever had is we lowered the casket into the ground. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it becomes cemetery property, no longer funeral home property. Mm -hmm. And then the family decided they wanted the jewelry. (laughs) At which point. Uh Right. So I climbed down in the hole, opened it, took off her jewelry very carefully. She was an elderly lady, so she had very thin skin. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have to be like super careful taking yeah. everything off because you don't want to like traumatize the family right. 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 Um, right. breaking but yeah <laughs> here, 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 here 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 somebody give me a can of Crisco uh, <laughs> here looks like a hand of glory <laughs> de-gloved grandma so by far that was the weirdest experience I had ever had like was to just climb down in this grave and like okay I'm yeah. good she did take the opportunity to go Oh, that would have been brilliant. Uh, oh. Too too early uh, for that. That was in the nineties. So uh, the book was out, obviously, oh, but right. I wouldn't have had a voice but to that, go with that Gollum classic Smeagol, yeah. Smeagol voice. That yeah. was brilliant, by the way. Brilliant. <laughs> Oh, precious. And the opportunity to do the pansies is still there. Sarath does a huge amount of time uh, caring for graveyards around the area. Oh, there you go. Well, there you go. Uh, your local graveyard. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we actually have one very nearby. Yeah, yeah. yeah, We could. So I now manage a manufactured home community. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And it literally, like right out front of it, is a yeah. is a graveyard mm-hmm. for, a, ca- the for a Catholic church. church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Very active. And it, one, I might add. It literally ju- just had a chain link fence around it, yeah. but yeah. it connects to the playground. Yeah, of course it does for yeah, the sure. community. And I and the so kids were climbing the fence. Yeah, kids were climbing the fence and jumping over and walking through the graveyard to like go get the school bus and and uh, so that one of my first a things real respectful air right yeah. So one of my first things was to put up this vinyl eight foot tall fence around it. Because, Privacy fence, yeah. And I called the church and I said, "Hey, I want to put up this fence," and they go, oh, "Thank God." <laughs> 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 Please, please put it up. But it was more of a, for me, it was more of a respect for the families who are coming to intern their loved ones, not having to watch a bunch of kids Mm -hmm. running around on a playground cussing and throwing Mm -hmm. stuff and, you know. You didn't have to listen to those ghosts and spirits go, damn you kids, get off my car! Exactly. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Queen's Garden Gems. Thank you, that was lovely. You're welcome. Okay, what I'm talking about today is actually a suggestion from Ode in <laughs> honor of these, the whole fire theme. The around grandfather fire. The around fire. grandfather uh-huh. fire theme. And that's fireweed. The technical name or Latin name is Cochia scoparia. The interesting thing about fireweed, because I didn't know anything about it, so I did some research. The interesting thing is that it grows best on burnt soil. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? And so it's obviously, it's very much connected to the element of fire. And of course, Ode is going, I knew that. No, hold on, hold on. We have to explain why Ode is so proud of this. Go ahead. I used to play Sim Park. It was part of my homeschool regimen Uh to play Sim Park and Sim Farm and learn about ecology and stuff. So among other things, I learned that when my park burned down, or parts of it were controlled burned, I could plant fireweed there to lure in elks to support my growing mountain lion population. There you go. 
a little lesson from Sim Park uh, <laughs> and Sim Farm. Yes, it grows in burnt mm-hmm. areas, dry, very dry soil. It loves the sun. So, you know, it, it definitely wants to have... In fact, my understanding is that the color of the of the flowers, which starts out as kind of a fuchsia, mm-hmm. over time and with the direct sunlight, by the time late fall comes around, it gets a crimson color, which oh. is why it's it's become known as fireweed. What's interesting to me, too, is that how it travels, propagates, propagates its, yeah. and feeds birds and all that kind of stuff, is that as it dries, you know, when it's getting ready to seed... It the wind will snap it off at the roots and it'll become a tumbleweed, and so it it spreads its seeds that way for both the birds to eat and for itself to 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 continue uh, growing, continue growing and find a new space. So I thought that was kind of cool, and it does like to grow on poor ground. So even if it's not burnt ground. Anything that is like requiring more nitrogen yeah. or things like that, it's very, that isn't supporting other plants, right? It isn't supporting other plants well. And what it can do is, if you plant fireweed there, it actually helps to secure the topsoil okay. so that you so can that more then, nutrients, yeah, can so sort more of nutrients will come into that ground, and you can later plant other flowers and and uh, types of plants there. Ooh. So it's actually really good. It basically it cleans the soil, yeah. like if there's contaminants or something because and that's what's causing the bear it's basically a restorative plant it is it is a restorative plant it's all about cleaning and you know propagating the soil basically and it brings in your elk it It brings brings in your your elk that's right and because of that and because of its connection to fire and it's just overall properties it's also really good for healing and spell work good for emotional healing and spiritual healing it's great for shadow work because what it does is it's anything basically that you want to burn away old habits, old ways of life, so that types of things. So mm-hmm. it's really, it's excellent for any type of healing or shadow work if you want to incorporate fireweed into that. Like if you wanted to use some of the flowers to create an amulet mm-hmm. or if you wanted to use some of the flowers in, you know, on your altar or to dress a candle, that kind of thing. It's also, it was actually introduced, it's a Eurasian flower. It was introduced to the United States in the, in the 1900s mm-hmm. with immigrants who came from Eurasia. But it actually has been used for thousands of years, I guess, in Eurasia, as well as in France for food and for medicine. The other good thing about that you can use fireweed for magically or emotionally, spiritually, it's good for PTSD sufferers. If you want to use it in magic to help deal with that kind of, you know, anxiety, anger, Mm -hmm. PTSD, it enhances connection with spirit. Okay. So it's very good for if you want to work with spirit guides, Mm -hmm. anything of that nature. Again, it's really excellent for spiritual and emotional spirit guiding. Yeah, exactly. So I'm only half joking. I genuinely think if you worked with fireweed, you would start seeing elks. I think so too, actually. (laughs) And the the key words to think of when you think of fireweed are love, restoration, fresh start, and healing. That makes sense, Mm -hmm. given all its ecological, ecological, and its its uh, connection to the fire Mm -hmm. element and things like that. And then, if you want to grow fireweed, Mm -hmm. um, what you do is you take the seeds and you'll soak the seeds for 24 hours. And you want to give it just a light cover and you want it in the sun because it's the sun, it needs the and, sun. The, and it needs the sun. It needs that heat to germinate the seeds. And then once you've germinated them, you space them one foot apart 
mm-hmm. from each other, you know, and it basically grows into a five foot hedge. Yeah, it's a big, it's, it's a, a tall big, plant. It's a tall plant. Hmm. Beautiful flowers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very, the very flowers pretty. Flowers are stunning. They're beautiful flowers. I, I think it would be a great, honestly, I think I want to. If you got if you got a yard with shitty land, you should make me, yourself a we, privacy hedge out of fireweed. And I mean, I, I'm thinking of some space in our yard that's uh-huh. kind of dead and needs some yeah that some got newness, trash left that on got it, trash left on it from previous owners or whatever. I, it would be a great place to mm-hmm. to restore some ground. So that's it for Gwen's Garden Gems. That was that was better. lovely. Thank Thanks. You. <laughs> Oh, okay, so that is some of the stuff that you've done is gone to these these classes. Have you gone to any classes? Yeah, I went to one with uh, Jackie Smith last night. Uh, about yeah, the, yeah, ethics. Ethics and yeah. paganism and leadership, so that was pretty interesting. I think that's a big topic that yeah. has to be explored a lot more, especially with a lot of the things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made the conscious choice of going in. Sarah and I have talked about this topic mm-hmm. a lot in depth. We have discussion groups uh, in Jackson, and we've, got, we've talked about it on the podcast and that sort of thing, but I made the conscious decision when I walked into the room especially a lot of the demographic was female so I made the choice I'm like here's an hour and a half where I am a, a cis normal white male I'm gonna shut my mouth and listen yeah, that's yeah. what I did for that hour and a half and I thought it was a really good uh, structure though there was a lot of back and forth conversation it wasn't a class so much as a, as a conversation and some thoughts about where an ethical guideline, what it would go and what it would look like, the fact that it would be completely voluntary, but what kind of things should be included. And mm-hmm. right. the conversation, I think, is going to be ongoing. So, Yeah, Ode went to that, not because... I would say we don't feel like we're in leadership, but I think other people think we are. <laughs> we've, we've, got, we've gotten enough feedback from listeners who are very, very new to paganism, mm-hmm. who are listening to the podcast and using it as a primary source, that right. I felt like I needed to at least attend. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I don't have any leadership training. Right. I don't know what the right. fuck I'm doing. I'm still panicked that I have students. I'm like, right? Well, right? years into the process, I'm like, holy smokes, man. Yeah, yeah so like, I don't I don't have students. I'm not training anyone. Yeah, right. But, but there we are. are. The, but exactly. exactly. But like in a, in a diffuse way through the podcast, right. I kind of am. Yeah. So. And we teach classes. Yeah. That's technically yeah. true. Yep. That is technically you know, true. And, and you know, we're in the students. process of writing true. a book. I guess that's also true. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just saying like, and so this is my struggle. I stumbled into this and I'm still not comfortable here. I just, I'm still there. <laughs> Ode's whole thing was, yeah, we'll do this podcast. We'll do like three or four of them, and then we'll realize it was worthless, and we'll give it up and move on. <laughs> I thought we would get bored. Yeah, and that's the thing, though. I don't know if you guys have found this with your experience over the years as podcasters, but it's very interesting it to, to come up with topics uh-huh. and, and then do the research and then have the conversation. And I'll go back and listen, you know, after a few months to, to just go, you know, what did we say? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> we we had a really interesting conversation, and I can build actually even from what we talked about. Right, and then that spurs conversation with our listeners, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. because they give they give comments and they give their thoughts on the topic mm-hmm. or their experiences or they ask questions, right. you know. Well, and the way our Patreon and Discord work is so if somebody signs up with Patreon Hunter level or above, so that's $10 a month or above, they get to listen live as we record it. And there's a question and answer thing, so they can ask questions live as we're doing it. And so... And we've gotten... uh, They've spurred a lot of good conversation that way. Yeah, Yeah, it's been really valuable. Right. Well, uh, Sarah, you want to talk about our... I think our favorite email that we ever received from a listener. Why don't you go ahead and talk about that? 
So uh, this gentleman named Ryan, all the way from Denmark, emailed us out of the rather out of the blue once we started talking about northern tradition and heathen Slavic things. It's like, hey, so I've come into starting working with these burial mounds, and I'd like some guidance on how to do that. And I'm sitting here, and Jim Jim hands me the email, handshakes it to me, and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> wow. I mean, because he's asking about how to take care of his own and I mean, he, him and his family ancestors. lived mm-hmm. on this land. He's Egypt, asking me to take Egypt care of his ancestors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a huge responsibility. It was like, oh, oh, hell. Okay. I mean, we took a lot of time on and offline to talk about how we're going to approach it because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge mm-hmm. weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just in terms of his, what do we do to advise him? Mm-hmm. Wow. You know? And so that, for, for me, it's one of my favorite interactions. Right. And he is, he's been a good what friend that? since... Let's say three weeks to a month later, we started getting all these photos of mm-hmm. these ancient barrel oh, mounds that he's taking care of now. And the landscaping he's done, yep. the offerings that he's mm-hmm. left. He's come back to us a couple of times with clarification questions on, here, I'm going to a barrel mound now that's not in the area where I live. How should I approach that one? Mm-hmm. And we've had those conversations. So it's like, you don't mean to. Yeah. Like, I'm a leader. I'm a teacher. <laughs> it's just all of a sudden you realize that you know maybe something that mm-hmm. someone else yeah. doesn't. It's, the whole point is to help them get mm-hmm. one piece of information they might not have had. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, it's success. Yeah. It's amazing because like a show like yours, I think what's really important, I remember my early days in paganism, right? Who do you trust? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, you could I could pick a random book out of the back of mm-hmm. Green right, Egg but... and Hope it was right. good. Right, right? yeah. Uh, I could when Green Egg existed. Yeah, yeah. When Green Egg existed, I could talk to some random person I met somewhere at, you know, Crazy Wisdom and hope they knew what they were talking about. Right, right. And I think the value of, like, podcasts is they can hear our voices, mm-hmm. which to a degree helps them hear our experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of us are saying that we're the big experts. But right. A lot yeah. of times the, we, we can help you sort out, like Sarah and I, the main body of our show is about shamanism. And as you know, that is like such a word right here. Yeah. Yeah. Like everybody the conversation, uses it yeah. For everything. Yeah. These are my shamanic crackers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was an exaggeration. I wish that was not true. But, you know, and so it's like we have big conversations about what is shamanism? What is this? role do we even actually consider ourselves shaman which is a you know conversation that we've had yeah. it's one of those things yeah. And, yeah and just like you guys we have to share our experiences and that's a huge part of helping other people sort yeah. out their well, paths in the pagan communities we privilege and i think i think this is an outgrowth of, of protestant christianity in this country in general we privilege the written word and oral traditions yeah. Yeah. And, oh oh how quaint yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> meanwhile i'm like yeah okay look look that is were written down by a Christian lawyer, yeah. right? Um, which were based off of oral tradition. We don't know what we've lost, mm-hmm. right? So let's be let's be real. And, and he was probably coming from a biased point of view, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, Odin came from Troy. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I mean, that's that's actually an active thing that I, I'm happy the community between podcasts and between YouTube videos and things like that. I'm glad the community is finally mm-hmm. starting to nail this because you aren't going to find all the experts. Experts in mm. books, you can't. Yeah. And and books are limited media. Yeah. I, 
I just just like audio, just like video, but between the learning styles and between mm-hmm. right all the things that you can get from listening to somebody's voice. I mean, there's a really truly magical quality to writing, and just as magical a quality there is to the voice. I yeah. agree. Yep. We privilege the written word so much. Mm-hmm. And I say that as a writer. Right. <laughs> so we just did a storytelling episode yeah. recently mm-hmm. where we retold myths in our own words, and I thought like part of the power of that was that we were saying them. Not that we weren't reading them, we weren't rewriting them and just like disseminating those. There are hundreds of rewritten variations of the myths. There's something different about presenting it to someone in your own voice. Mm -hmm. The way my inflection changes when I'm talking about a specific action or the way... How many cuss words you have in it? How many cuss words (laughs) I have in it? (laughs) Injecting humor where someone else might not have seen it or drama or Mm -hmm. whatever. You're bringing your interpretation of that myth into right. reality mm-hmm. by speaking it, and that can resonate with other people. Yeah, so we decided we are going to do the storytelling series kind of interspersed randomly. Yeah. So the first one yeah. was shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all the shit the gods got up to, right. basically. Nice. So it was a lot of fun to tell those stories. Yeah. I find, too, like with the podcast, the power that we have mm-hmm. is that, that all of us have is that there's a lot of written material, and especially like if you're looking at northern traditions, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. example... There's a lot of books that cover the myths, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And we had a conversation with Galena recently. You know, a lot of people are familiar with the term uh, unverified personal gnosis. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, with a podcast like this, then we can start getting into peer corroborated personal gnosis, mm-hmm. which means we can start with our voices sharing hey, if I've had this experience with Loki and this person in California and this mm-hmm. person in Australia mm-hmm. and this person over here, yeah. we've all had the same experiences without ever talking to each other before, then these can be like new lore mm-hmm. that we're actually generating. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I can't, I don't know how many times I've said this on the podcast already. A bunch, probably. It was all new once. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Like, it, it didn't come down from the sky perfectly formed already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone wrote it down once. Or spoke it. Exactly. Originally, Originally, people told these stories to each other, and eventually someone wrote it down. Mm -hmm. And now, because of academia, Mm -hmm. we've decided that authenticity is correlated to antiquity. And it's not. And I think there's also, especially in when you think of podcasting, there's a lot of people who don't like to read. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so they listen to audiobooks. Yep. In this case, you're listening to people talk about their things that they've learned, the knowledge that they've gleaned, the experiences through their own practice. You can learn not only from books or the audiobooks, mm-hmm. but also just from listening to others. Right. I listen to a lot in my car and at work. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, yeah. and that's... I think we have a lot of listeners who are beginners in the craft. They get ideas which direction to go to or where to explore. Because a lot of them are like, well, I don't know where the fuck to go here. And that's one reason why we do reviews, too. Yeah, they don't know where to start. Is that, you know, we're reviewing a book or we're reviewing a product or something like that. So that they at least have somebody else who's explored that ahead of time. And if we don't like it, we'll we'll (laughs) tell you we don't like it. You know, we're just, we're, we don't I think I gave something a one star for you. Yeah. Like, don't read this trash book. <laughs> so we don't I mean, we don't pull punches on it. We just say, don't. It's not yeah. worth your time. It's not worth your effort. Or it's worth your effort if you're in this particular right. place. Yeah. Or so. I would like to say that we rarely give more than four stars, but we have this week given five stars to which Doctor Utu, Jason Mankey, for the books that we talked to them nice. about because we had a they're chance books, to read yeah. those books, okay. and they're brilliant. They yeah. really are very well researched, interesting topics. We're gonna. Yeah, it's, it's, weird to get, yeah. it's weird. It's weird. It's weird to give five star reviews. Yeah, yeah. It is. I felt. I felt weird doing it. I was like, ooh. 
five stars. I don't know that I've ever done that before. <laughs> yeah. Uncomfortable. Yeah. And then we They're started, probably our flaws. And then we not, started the random, me. like, Oldstone Corner and yeah. Gwen's Garden yeah. Gems. Yeah. Just kind of, I don't know, like... People I, asked for them. Yeah. Because I kept breaking off to talk about rocks. Right. Yeah. In the middle of an episode. Well, we started Gwen's Garden Gems because we did an abbreviated herbalism episode and somebody was like not enough I need more info <laughs> and so somebody one of our said, listeners one Tally. of our listeners yeah Tally, Tally. Yeah, Tally yeah. was like well why don't you just make a segment and then you can talk about different individual herbs, herbs yeah. and what you can do with them so rather than throwing Culpepper out them, you're actually like providing a service right, right. Yeah. that yeah. is a huge that's a huge Thing for what especially for yeah, and especially for folks who either can't throw the money down for a cult pepper, yeah, which or for oh any of the other numerous mm-hmm. tomes out there, yeah. yeah. You know, I just want to know what X, Y, and Z plant, can you, yeah, yeah, that's huge, yeah. yeah. So it's a new it's a new herb every week, yeah. it's a new st- or every two every, weeks, every, it's yeah. a new stone every two weeks, and yeah. then for some reason everybody decided <laughs> I should have a segment two, <laughs> just for completeness, yeah, and that's where the recipes thing came in. Yeah. So just because I talk about food because I'm you know, fat. <laughs> and I really like food. And I really like to cook. I don't do it often. Yeah. Because for it me... an ordeal. Yeah, for me, cooking is a day experience. Like, I need an entire day because I'm not going to, like, throw together something. He needs a couple okay. of days because something probably has to chill. Okay, so yeah. he exaggerates a little because he can... He can throw a burger, burger together. He can throw a burger together well, in that's a couple true. hours. So. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But it does take a couple of hours, <laughs> which is the scary thing. Now it's time for Cars Feast Table. Cars Feast Table. <laughs> what? Apparently there's a kid out there somewhere That's what I'm laughing about. <laughs> who's going around the house going, Cars Feast Table. And I love that. I am very proud to have started this trend <laughs> among that. small children. I wrote it. So in keeping with the Around Grandfather Fire theme, mm-hmm. I decided I would do s'mores. But... Being it's, car. It's car's feast table. Because he can't do anything without being extremely extra. He's extremely extra. So, these are the s'mores. I came up with this name <laughs> on my own. Basically, it just names all the shit that's in it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so listen carefully. Toasted marshmallow sea salt caramel bourbon maple bacon pretzel s'mores. And I want them. He's 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 uh, run these by us already, and they sound... They sound- like a fuck oh, ton of just, work, but they man, sound, I want to try them. They sound like a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, first you make your own toasted coconut marshmallows. Which I think sounds fun. So Describe. The recipe for that will be on there. It's flaked coconut, uh, sweetened. Because mm-hmm. you want that little bit right. of sweetness in it. Especially uh, considering what's going to come later. Do you right. want shreds or do you want the little Oh yeah, kinds? the flakes. No, no, you want the flakes. Flakes, okay. Flakes. Um, three envelopes of unflavored gelatin, one and a half cups of sugar, Three quarters of a cup of light corn syrup, two tablespoons of honey, a quarter teaspoon of sea salt, and one tablespoon of vanilla extract. Okay. You basically, you toast the coconut in the oven. Okay. As you would, right? And then in a bowl, you stir up all the other stuff. Then you put it in a saucepan. Uh-huh. Minus the coconut. Right. Right? Okay. So you combine all of that other stuff together with some, with actually a half a cup of water. Okay. Which isn't listed, but you know. And over medium heat, and you cook it until it all dissolves. Then you turn up the heat to high. You cook that to 240 degrees Fahrenheit on a candy thermometer. So I was going to say, you've got to yeah, need, you need a, a candy, yep. thermometer candy thermometer on this one. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Then you take it off the heat, and you slowly pour it over top of your coconut. Ah, right? Okay. 
once you're doing that, you want to make sure that your fingers are wet. Otherwise, okay. you're going to have it? sticky marshmallowy shit all over you. Do you want this in like, like a cake pan kind of thing? Yeah, so a, a 9 by 13 baking dish. Okay, okay so like, like a, a glass one yep. like we used yep. to have. Yep. Yeah. Or, okay. or, yeah, baking um, glass dish. Yep, and then you sprinkle the rest of the toasted coconut on top. On top, okay. And then you let the marshmallow sit out at room temperature uncovered for at least eight hours. Oh, Okay. So this is a, not a dessert you could make in a couple Casually, of hours. No. This is something you plan for. Have I ever made anything <laughs> that you could do casually? And then you're going to want to cut them with a pizza cutter. Wow. Oh, yeah, that makes uh, sense. Because you need something very sharp and you want to dip it in water first so they don't stick to it. Uh, that makes sense. Okay. We're going to need to sharpen our pizza cutter. Yes, we are. And then you're going to make your own. Oh, wait, own... wait. I want to make a quick note here, just in case anyone's not clear. A candy thermometer and a meat thermometer, not the same thing. No. Correct. You are not going to be able to use a meat thermometer for this. You will need a candy thermometer. Yep. <laughs> and then you want to make your own caramel yes. sauce or caramel, depending on where you're from. Where you're from, yep. Um, and Whether that... you pronounce the extra A. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that is a cup of granulated sugar, half a cup of heavy cream, two tablespoons of unsalted butter, and three quarters of a teaspoon of sea salt. Okay. Mm-hmm. See where all the sea salt's coming in? Sea salt. A lot of sea salt. So in a medium saucepan over medium-high heat, you combine the sugar and the water and stir it, and then you cook it without stirring until the sugar has turned a deep amber hue. That takes 10 to 12 minutes. Mm. None of this is going to be quick and easy. Right, right. Do not not stir. crystallize it? Yes. Yep, that actually crystallizes it back into a sugar, and that's bad. Okay. So you just want it to do that. While that's doing it, you want to warm up. The heavy cream in a smaller saucepan. Okay. Okay. And then while the caramel is, when it's ready, it's that deep amber hue that you want, you're going to slowly whisk in the warm cream. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you simmer it for another two to three minutes until it's smooth. We're mm. also going to need a new whisk. Yes, we are. So then you remove it from the heat, whisk in the butter and the salt to taste. Okay. And you're going to set that to the side because here comes the all-important part of this entire concoction. The chocolate? How long does the car- does the caramel need to, like... How long does that need to sit? Oh, you can... Once it's off the heat, once it's become smooth, uh-huh. you can use it whenever. Oh, you can okay. serve it warm if you want. Oh, okay. But in our case, this is going to take be, a little bit yeah. more creativity. Right. So then you're going to take bacon, and you're going to line... Your bacon a, of choice. You're going to line a bacon sheet with foil. Then you're going to place a cooking rack on top of the foil. Okay. Okay? And then you're going to lay the bacon out on top of the cooking rack. Okay overlapping it if you have to it doesn't matter you're going to use a half a pound of bacon or so thick cut so you want like the really nice thick cut bacon if you have a butcher near you go get it from yep. them yeah yep. god i miss our butcher you're gonna bake it at 400 degrees for 10 minutes okay then you're gonna pull it all out you're gonna take some light brown sugar and uh, maple syrup and i'm suggesting that the maple syrup you use mm-hmm. is in particular bliss aged bourbon maple syrup because if you could have that, why would you not? Right. <laughs> and then you're also, to that mixture, you're going to add an eighth of a teaspoon of uh-huh. cayenne pepper. Mm. Okay. And so then you're going to coat both sides of this bacon that's been cooking in this mixture that you've just made. Okay. Of the brown sugar. So it's going to have to cool off a little bit. Yep. Which is good. That's why I told you not to, you know, heat it until combined until yeah. mm-hmm. you would already taken the bacon out. Yeah. Right. So while you're making the... 
cayenne, yeah, the brown mixture, sugar. the bacon has been yeah, cooling. The bacon exactly. is cooling. Gotcha. So you're going to coat it all in this mess, and then you're going to stick it back into the oven at 400 degrees for another five to ten minutes until the bacon is crispy mm-hmm. and the sauce has dissipated. Mm. Okay. It's okay. all like you soaked up into it. You want it to caramelize right. and get it glazy. Correct. Yep. Nice. And it'll be a little sticky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Then you're going to pull that out of the oven. And you're going to take the bacon, the caramel sauce. Mm-hmm. So you're going to... I'm putting these on pretzel chips. So take okay. a pretzel chip. Can I put it on a, the bottom. Yes. Can I ask a question? Yes. Is the bacon cut in strips or like do you cut it into little... I assume yeah. you cut yeah. it once, into once a size crispy, that fits on... You oh, break you it. can break it. Okay. Yep. Into a size that fits on a right. pretzel okay. crisp. So you're going to take the pretzel crisps that you can buy at right. the store. Right. These right. we don't require you to make on your own. No. no. My God, no. <laughs> I did look into how to do it. Store-bought is fine. I'm not going to do that. Um, so you're going to take your pretzel crisp. You're going to lay bacon on it. Okay. Then you're going to put your caramel sauce on top. On top. Okay. And then you're going to put your toasted coconut marshmallow on top. After mm-hmm. it's eight hours of yep. setting. Yep. And then you're going to put a pretzel on top of that. Right. For is the full chocolate in this s'more experience. Hold on. It's okay. coming. It's coming. You're going to make all of those and set them to the side as you're making them. After that, you're going to go out and buy Wilton's Dark Chocolate Melts. Ah. Okay? Mm-hmm. And you're going to heat those up until they're melted. You're going to sea salt to taste, and you're going to throw in an eighth of a teaspoon of cayenne pepper. <laughs> and then, so you're going to bring that chocolate up to about 115 degrees. Candy thermometer again. And then you're going to let it come down to about 85 degrees. Okay, so you let it cool a yep. little. And then you're going to dip each of those pretzel s'mores into this chocolate mm-hmm. and set them to the side. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. And then you're going to stick it in your refrigerator or your freezer for about 20 minutes to set up. So it's not a hot s'more. Like it's a cold normally, s'more. It's a cold s'more. But it sounds But there's fucking so delicious. much deliciousness in it that you have to do it that way. It sounds oh. extremely decadent we is are what making it sounds this like. And you are helping me. So again, the title of these things are Toasted Coconut Marshmallow Sea Salt Caramel Bourbon Maple Bacon Pretzel S'mores. <laughs> I can't believe you managed to say all that. I know. Twice. Uh-huh. That's like right. one-eyed, one-horned, blind couple <laughs> Uh-huh. Right Pretty much. And since we don't have an ending to this... Yeah. Oh, no. this? No. <laughs> no, we've, we've, never, we've never come up with an outro to Carsby's no, table, no. so. Uh-uh. I do like the stone information, too, because uh, when I was listening recently, I think it was the, the Liminal Space 2 one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Electric, my, electric, my electric Yeah, my experience working, uh, my wife and I owned a, a metaphysical shop. She still got it online, but uh, we don't have a physical location mm-hmm. anymore. But the years of experience with the stones, it's amazing, because I can have, people can have every reference book in the oh. world. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they walk up and they tell you what's going on, and it's like, I don't care what any of the books say, you need selenite, or mm-hmm. you need this. And yeah. they, the, the experience experience with the stones is so different than any guide can ever give you. Yeah, I just read people's energy and that. I've given up on using the the correspondence tables for stones because first of all they all start with this stone is very protective. <laughs> yes, yes, Every single stone apparently is very for sex. Those yes. are like the big three go to, or prosperity, I suppose. At, yeah, at some point I went through and I was like, they can't all be that's right. not no. Not every stone is into that. They got they have tendencies and habits and preferences. But I'm also you mean stones are people too. I know. Yes. yes yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then, which is why I'm always like, go through and actually 
don't just order them off the internet because then you might get a stone that has zero zero percent interest in working with you. Hey, zero fucks were given by that sometimes stone. Sometimes though, a stone will come to you and yeah. then just to get away from you. Yes. So I, I, I am not really. I don't work with stones a lot, so I, I do rely on Ode a lot to help me with with stones. But I do I do pendulum work. So I was looking for a, a tiger. Tiger's eye. She desperately really, wanted I a really tiger's eye. Wanted one because I'd worked with one in the past, and so we were at a psychic fair. And there were vendors, and I found this one. And she was bringing me with her to verify, yeah. like, is this real tiger's eye? Yeah, you know. <laughs> and so I found this one tiger's eye pendant, and it swang aggressively. And I got this, yes, take me kind of vibe. And Ode was also like, yeah, it, you know. It, it's good it's swing. Good swing. It's going to work with you, you know. It's genuine tiger's eye. So within, I think, a month. <laughs> yeah, you'd lost it three times. <laughs> and the chain snapped. Yeah. Cool. And it was lost. <laughs> but I found it the first time. And then another two months later, brand new chain. Also snapped. Stronger chain snapped. I was like, okay. That, goodbye. Goodbye. And it, it, and just it disappeared. To, yeah, it we just have wanted to again. escape, apparently, yeah. from whoever. Well, had, had to get out into the wild. <laughs> had to get out into the wild to, to whoever it was seeking. So, <laughs> so yeah, they are people, too. When you work with herbs, I'm curious, mm-hmm. how much do you rely on material that you've learned from books or whatever, and mm-hmm. how much do you rely on intuition? Like, if I'm making a protective, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of times I'll have to look at that person, I'll have my guides kind mm-hmm. of feel their energy, and I would walk around and I would just open up jars and smell them, and mm-hmm. I could tell from smell alone what someone needed for a protective. That mm-hmm. didn't matter what the correspondence is saying. Right. How do you work with herbs? Is it well, similar? Or? It, it depends. Sometimes okay. I go through, a lot of it is I've already figured out which herbs go with what I want and it's recorded in my grimoire but sometimes I do still go and I go okay what you know if I want she'll uh, go to her garden yeah I'll go to my garden it's like okay who's going to be good for protection sometimes I'll go to a list but generally I I have an herb garden um, right well that makes it so much better you know and so I'll go to each herb I have a relationship that I've built with each herb and I'm like okay which one of you Rosemary is (laughs) who would like to work with me today who wants to work with me today so herbs are people too (laughs) 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 they're sweet little plants are very That's people. the thing. It, this is the hilarious thing. When I don't I even younger, work with plants, and plants are very people. Yes. When I was younger, I I did not have a green thumb. I couldn't grow anything to save my life. Once I started <laughs> in the in the craft, though, and I was and I had a, a mentor who was like, "No, plants are your allies. The right. nature is your ally. Learn the spirit of the plant and how to communicate and work with that spirit. You're going to see a change." And I did. And it's, so I once I recognize not just the you know that it's a plant and that it has properties that are listed and, on a book in a book and needs and needs i started actually interacting with that plant you know i talk to my plants right. and uh, i ask it permission you know may i work with you will you work with me on this and so yeah i do that and i do have a bunch of dried herbs in my and i'll just kind of go which we you <laughs> <laughs> i really appreciate that because yeah. i I do, I understand that, uh, um, like, my favorite tree is black walnut. Mm. Oh, right? I, I love I grew black up, walnut. I grew yeah. up in a house with, like, four of them in the front yeah. yard, so I've got we a relationship That was what we had in front, of, in front of yeah. Granny's house, wasn't we it? The black walnut. I can use black walnut, bark, tree. or the walnuts themselves, or whatever, things that yeah. no correspondence book is ever right, going to exactly. give you, because I've had a relationship with that exactly. plant, so I completely get where you're coming yeah. from. Yeah, so I really encourage people, you know, yes, correspondences, books, they're great, but get to know what you're working with. And so. I think the the most important thing is to understand where that correspondence came from. Mm-hmm. Yes. If it was something somebody just threw out there because they got it from another list, or if it was something that they 
discovered over time, either intuitively or by the property of the thing, or, you know, like, there are ways to derive correspondences based on facts, and then there's just getting to know the thing. Exactly. And I I think when you get to know the thing, that's going to vary from person to person, from relationship to relationship. Yeah. I mean, I I get, I don't know about y'all, but I get this question sometimes where people say, okay, well, what's the healing room? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Potentially, any of them. It depends, I mean, you know, what relationship do you have the runes? Uh, what are we talking about medically or yeah. otherwise? You know, what kind of healing are you looking for? I mean, do I recommend Hagalas for everything? No. <laughs> but does does Hagalas have healing application? Yes. Depends on what kind of healing you need. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, when, when people say, okay, well, what plant do I need for healing? That's... <laughs> too broad. Yeah. Too, right. too yeah. broad. Yeah. yeah. What kind of healing? Yeah. What kind yeah. of healing? Yeah. Mm-hmm, you know, exactly. I mean, it's it's even uh, it's like pigeonholing one of you folks with the Carol tradition. You know? Well, what does a Carol person do? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got one. Uh, there's one ceremony called the Despacho in the in the common parlance, um, which is a, a certain kind of offering ceremony that we make, and what you put in it depends on what you're trying to do and mm-hmm. what spirit you're trying to. Appeal. Thousands of different types of despacho ceremony. It all depends on who's running and what the situation mm-hmm. is. And so it, it's like, it, yes, it's the catch-all. That's the ceremony we're going to go to the most often. But at the same point in time, each one's different. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about your your relationship. There's uh, something that you brought up on, on podcasts and in workshops a lot is your specific kinds of relationship with mountain spirits. Right, right. We're not in Peru. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Exactly. So there was a little translation there. The paths I was I was taught in, it's all mountain-based, you know, they're in the high mountains of the Andes. And obviously we're lacking in mountains in Michigan, mm-hmm. at least in this area. But right. what I found is relationship-wise and energetically, our Great Lakes are mountains flipped upside down and filled with water. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. they reflect the same kind of... They use the same kind of energies in a different way, and so it's building that relationship mm-hmm. that I found really fascinating. Interesting, yeah. 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 That's I love really cool. the energy of the lakes. Oh, I know. Oh, too. my God. I love to go And we to now live 15 goes, minutes from it. Wynn goes to Lake Michigan and is like, I feel so accepted. I go to Lake Michigan, I feel like she doesn't have any interest in me at all. <laughs> <laughs> She's very big, I'm very small, she doesn't give a fuck. I love of course, it may be I'm a Pisces, <laughs> but yeah, I love to go and and just sit and experience the energy. We go, of we the go to the beach, and I'm just is how I perceive is just right, just right. this this beautiful right. She she's, right. she's like this this I feel this beautiful motherly welcoming energy. I'm just like I'm gonna fuck you. <laughs> she's zero percent fucks given about me. Even She'll accept oh, my yeah, interest yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. it. Even spirit, I mean, she's a fierce mama is how I feel. You know, because I'm at some point in my mm-hmm. life, I've been to all the lakes. Not as a pagan. I've only been to Lake Michigan as a pagan. But I can remember the experience at each lake that I've had and each one has a different feeling to it. Right. And Superior does. She's a fierce bitch. I mean, you well, know, you don't mess with Superior is your experience with that lake's energy is going to vary differently because the spirits of the lake itself mm-hmm. interact with the spirit of the place where you interact with the mm-hmm. lake. Oh, true. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. How, how you resonate with a certain peninsula might be fantastic on mm-hmm. Lake Michigan where you mm-hmm. might be yeah. different energy yeah. or Sarenth might, but you move down a half mile mm-hmm. where it's an inlet where a, river, a little stream's mm-hmm. coming in. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, this is my spot, but yeah. you don't feel it anymore. Because oh no, that's the, that's a very yeah. interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. Because yeah. we've only really been to the one beach we, we on have. Lake Michigan. We should go. We should check out a couple more. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been to two different parts of Lake Michigan, and 
having been on its easier to access coast, there's much more of an open, oh, come on, mm-hmm. come, come play me. And then my family and I were going to actually do a pilgrimage to Lake Superior and stayed in the yurt for a week. And the energy of Lake Michigan, we stopped off at this little culver where you could walk down to it and then come back up. Totally different energy, totally different experience. And woo. Yeah, just right. this raw fierceness, right. whereas the public beach access is very, right. oh yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, the Lake Michigan energy, on, like uh, Sleeping Bear Dunes versus Chicago versus my family has a cabin in the Upper Peninsula, mm-hmm. so we're on the northern side of Lake Michigan, mm-hmm. and those three energies are completely different, and, and it has a lot to do with where the land interacts mm-hmm. with the lakes mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That makes sense. Place. Yeah, I'm, I'm having to get used to going to the lake. I'm from the coast, oh, so I was, right. I was yeah, born on the east coast. He's, and he's I live from on an the ocean. Coast. He's from an ocean oh, place. Gotcha. So I'm from an ocean place. So I'm like, it's a big lake. Who the hell cares? You know, I love the. Um, I much but, prefer the lakes to the oceans. I'll be and, right on. And I've. I've lived here, what, 12 years now? 13 years? Something like that God, in it's Michigan. it's so long. It's a long time. And this is the longest we've ever lived anywhere. Oh, wow. In our entire life. When I was a kid, we moved all the time. It was very weird for me to set down roots. Yeah. The first time I went to Lake Michigan, it had probably been, I'd probably lived here seven years yeah. or so, and I went with a friend who's a hip-hop artist, and he was doing a show, and so we were hanging out, and we went out to Lake Michigan, and you could literally see a foot. Mm-hmm. of the lake before there was fog bank. And I'm like, <laughs> big deal, you know? And then probably three or four years later, I'm out with another friend driving around and he's like, we were in Grand Haven. And I was like, oh yeah, I've never actually seen Lake Michigan. He's like, oh, you know, <laughs> you're going to now because you're in my car and you have no choice. Right. And we got out there and you could see as far as you could see. Yeah. And you couldn't see land to on the, the other side. I was like, yeah. oh my oh, God, this is really is, is different than what I expected. Oh yeah. You know, because I expect to like you know drive to the beach drive to the beach and go oh look there's wisconsin over there you know (laughs) you're dramatically overestimating the ability of your eyes (laughs) i think he's like your elven eyes I'm loving the L-O-T-R. <laughs> loving it. Yeah. <laughs> we are connected here, brother. We are connected. Oh, my God. Well, you know, you look at the, the map of Michigan, oh, yeah. and the lakes do make it look like they're a lot closer to things than, than they are. Maps are inherently deceptive. Exactly. Yeah. So. I mean, one of the things that really kind of I brought it home when we were starting to, to plan this pilgrimage and do all this was, you know, looking at how scientists, I forget the discipline, but they basically considered the lakes like freshwater oceans mm-hmm. yeah. for yeah. purposes yeah. of right. how they operate. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about... They have the, tides and... Yeah. 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 And, and rhythms and movements and everything else. I mean, look at any really good shots of the tides rolling in from any of the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I mean, I, there's I, power there. There's, right. Especially that's winter power. winter waves, I oh think, are God. really cool because oh you can right. see the freeze and, yes. you know, and it's, oh. Spears like, I just kill you and I won't even care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she won't even notice. That's right. Yes. Gordon Lightfoot's song was, was spot on. Right, it's a yeah. superior, you know, superior never gives up her dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. she, you, you do not mess with this lake. Because I remember the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I was in third grade when it mm-hmm. happened, so it was a big deal. Right. And You just dated yourself. 
a lot of our listeners are going to go, who the fuck is Gordon, Gordon Lightfoot? Lightfoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the mama for a reason. I'm 54. I don't give a fuck what my age is. You know, I'm a crone. But yeah, so I remember the Reverend Edmund Fitzgerald that happened on Lake Superior. And if you haven't heard Gordon Lightfoot's Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, listen to it because it tells the story perfectly. It, it recounts. I have seen the story. museum exhibits about the Wreck of the Edmund yes. Fitzgerald. Oh, you up at the and, Museum? Mm-hmm. Oh, but it not only talks place, about man. the tragedy that happened, it talks about the power. Yeah. Of superior, mm-hmm. and it talks about the fact that if you do not respect that power, right. you will pay the consequence. Yeah. I got to tell you, anytime I'm traveling within the state here, or even around, like down to Chicago mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. that's where you make prayers to. Yep. I make prayers mm-hmm. to Superior because Superior oh, is the yep. boss. I thought for a minute he was making saying Gordon Lightfoot. Sorry, <laughs> 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 I'm going to rule anything else. But, uh, no, I make you make prayers to Lake Superior because yeah. Lake Superior is, is the boss, yep. yeah. and it will tell the other land spirits what's up. Yep. And I think you know people from other states don't realize that they're called the Great Lakes for a reason. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I consider each Great Lake their own goddess. Yes. Yeah, um, I do too. And one of the things that I was tasked with, and I'm putting this on the air so that I'm I can't escape it. All right, oh, accountability. Uh, uh, hold you accountable, Sharon. Is um, power, authority, accountability. At some point, I have to make pilgrimages to each lake. I've got two parts of the poem that I have to write in an edic fashion. Mm. So this is one of the things that the Great Lakes is asking me to do, and now I'm going to kick myself in the ass and eventually get it done. You're going to do it. Yeah. So you if you have it. a nice beach house on one of the Great Lakes, <laughs> and you would like to host Saren Thoden's There you go. Please email, too. But seriously, though, I, I think that Gordon Lightfoot's song, Record of Fitzgerald, is one of the songs that I sang in full to Superior when I met her, and it's it's pretty mm-hmm. much a devotional song. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. It really is. Did you hear that, babies? I'm going to say it again, listen to The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. (laughs) And then go learn about the lakes, the Great Lakes, Mm -hmm. because they are, as you said, they they do have a a goddess for each lake. They are a power each onto their own. And I think if you go to your own area where you're living, you will find that there are powerful local gods gods Mm. in your land and in your seas that are around you, your lakes, your Your rivers, your your ponds. Yeah. Go get to know them. And and it gives you a whole new perspective because Lagos, a lot of people, Oh, it's, it's the, (laughs) Oh, it's the gentle water route. Cool. Go up to a great lake, intone Lagos and then wait. Yeah. Just wait. Have fun. I I spot on too with the local spirits thing. Cause the, like when people come to me and say, how do I learn more about shamanism? Mm -hmm. The the first, no books, no anything else. The first two things I'm going to tell you. A, do you have an ancestor altar? B, someplace near where you live, you just always feel at peace and connected to, go make offerings and say, hey, tree, mm-hmm. rock, river, lake, will you protect me on this stuff when I'm about to embark mm-hmm. on? Start that relationship right there. Because yep. no matter where you live, there's things around you that are willing to work with you. You just mm-hmm. have to seek that relationship. That's right. Yeah. You can even start in your own backyard. Yeah. If you happen to live on property, better. we moved to a new place that, that has a, a yard mm-hmm. in September, October. And so when we got there, we when even when we were visiting the place, I felt very welcomed by the land spirits there, as well as the house whites. We made an offering to the land spirits while we were there and they have they have accepted us 
And I, I think once a year, once a more year, more offerings. That's yep. all they wanted. That's just yep. once a we year. We offered more. That yep. was what they wanted. You know, I think that's important to, to mm-hmm. build that relationship with the land spirits where you live and where you're that are around you. And like you said, if, if you want to get to know land spirits, go out right, into go the out. land, yeah, into the wild. Yeah. Go go into the wild and, and but there are there are suburban spirits too and urban yes, spirits. Are. You are. know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wherever you are, there are spirits. When we had our metaphysical shop, we were looking for a location. It was down downtown Jackson, right? And so the Grand River runs through Jackson, so I made prayers to the Grand River, but the other one, we have a really old theater called the Michigan Theater, and they call it mm-hmm. the Gal on Mechanics. Mm-hmm. So I went to the theater, and I'm like, you are the queen of this downtown. Help mm-hmm. us find a space. And I made offerings there, mm-hmm. and I think we found our space within a week after that. Oh, so, wow. Very you know, cool. you can do those urban spirits as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There. Just open yourself to the possibilities, yeah. I think, is a big thing. Yeah, I, I am not an urban dweller. I don't feel comfortable in cities. Mm-hmm. They feel very claustrophobic to me. <laughs> but I got lost one time in downtown Ann Arbor and I'm like, I, I'm walking around for 20 minutes, half hour. I don't know where the fuck I am. <laughs> Alright, fine. So what's the what's the closest thing? Oh, there's a there's a tree growing out of the ground that had those little grates around. Okay, mm-hmm. well I make a little offering there. Okay, land spirits, which way should I be going? So I shut my eyes for a minute. Spirits go, okay, that way. Ten minutes, I find my damn car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, yeah. Now, see, I'm exactly to the opposite. So I'm I'm an urban guy. I was yeah. born and raised mm-hmm. in Washington D.C. I've lived in L.A., Atlanta, Miami, yeah. Nashville. Nashville. We've broadly speaking, been large city people. Yeah. yeah. And so now to live in a town of like four thousand. <laughs> and, so small. And and just the property that we live on is yeah. you know maybe it's two hundred families. Yeah. Uh, on the, in the property where we live, not even two hundred, hundred and eighty something feels. Very like weird to me. There's nothing like yeah. if you want to go to the grocery store, you have to go to the next town over because yeah. there's not a grocery store in town. Yeah. I grew up in I'm, a small I'm, town, yeah, and this is even smaller. You grew up in a you grew up in a village. Yeah. it was yeah. literally a village. That's and but for me, like I'm used to being able to walk out of my apartment mm-hmm. or row house. And across the street is a grocery store. Yeah. And so I would shop daily. Yeah. You know, I would you just go buy what I wanted to buy for that next, for that night and bring it home, put it in the refrigerator and go out and do my stuff and then come home and cook. So it's, it's an entirely different experience. <laughs> yeah. It's been very weird for me. It's, so I had some culture shock. Yeah. I've, I've considered myself an urban druid until now. Now, right, I, now you live in the middle of nowhere. Right. Right. Now I can it. just drop the urban from it and just say druid <laughs> and not have to worry about it because I'm in the country basically. Yeah. Our property backs up. Right behind the yeah. We told our listeners the 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 squirrel story. Uh, apparently, the a squirrel came up to Carr and dropped a nut at his feet, <laughs> and then ran away. And then ran away. Yeah, nice. we have the black squirrels down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. So we figured, well, okay, either it's a welcome. It was it was uh he had just started yeah. at, at the property, right. and uh, winter was coming on. So in my opinion, that was the start saving your pennies, squirreling away your shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I should share one real quick. I, this is one of my favorite stories. It's not even about me. It's uh, another student of my, my teacher. And in our tradition, we, we have these stones called kuya, and we empower them and make sacred objects and do many things with them. And one of them, they there's a group of three that, when they're getting empowered, they get left outside overnight. So another student of Mateo's, she had bought this beautiful piece of quartz. <laughs> just spent decent amount of money. <laughs> just a gorgeous piece of quartz. <laughs> left it out in the woods. The next morning when she came back, it was gone. Uh-huh. A raccoon had taken it and left her a bottle cap. Uh-huh. <laughs> in a fit of anger, she threw the bottle cap off in no, the woods and we were like, no. 
That was a mistake. No, that was like the most powerful yeah. bottle cap in yeah, the yeah. ever. And yeah. he just chucked oh it God. out into the woods. All the fans were like, no. No, don't do it. That was your payment for your fancy quartz. Right. Exactly. I mean, that would have been great, though. You go, everybody, share everybody your magical bottle cap. <laughs> that would have gone straight on the altar. Man. No doubt, right? Oh, my God. That's amazing. Oh, goodness. Oats! Stone! Corner! Lovely, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, today, in honor of Around Grandfather Fire, I'm going to be discussing fire quartz. It's also known as hematoid quartz, ferruginous quartz, or harlequin quartz. So fire quartz is typically clear quartz, which contains inclusions of iron. That iron can come from various sources. Uh, it's commonly, probably most commonly, from hematite, which is why it's sometimes called hematoid quartz. Oh, that makes sense. But it can also be from inclusions of gothite or limonite. Gothite and limonite are both bog iron minerals, which means they're produced by the weathering process. They're not only found in bogs, but they are some of the minerals that are the iron-bearing minerals that are found in bogs. Consequently, they're a renewable resource. Oh. So like a peat moss bog? Yes, a peat moss bog. So what Sweet. happens, how this works, how bog iron works is so through the weathering process, minerals are dissolved into their soluble and insoluble components, right? The insoluble iron mineral components become goethite or limonite or other hydronated minerals, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These trickle down, essentially, into bogs. When you cut the peat from a bog, because peat is used as fuel in places where there are a lot of bogs, when you cut the peat, if you peel back the top layer of the peat in a bog that has bog iron mineral presence, you can find little pea-sized nodules of bog iron. So it's very, very tedious to collect all this iron, but once you do, it's very, very easy to smelt with and to work into usable tools. Do you think that's where uh, like early iron workers yes. got their iron yes. from? Yes, that is where early pre-Roman iron forging came from, was from bog iron. Interesting. Yeah. Which explains the Celt stuff. Exactly. In that, Ireland and, and Scotland. And in Scandinavia. Scandinavia. Yeah, so that's where early, early ironworks came from, was from bog iron. And once every generation or so, you can re-harvest the same bog because new weathered iron mm-hmm. will have accumulated in the bog. That is so that's fascinating. Really cool. It's amazing what bogs have done for humanity. Yeah, they're honestly, for being extremely hostile environments they're like very valuable to human communities absolutely and for a number of reasons including historical Mm -hmm. so goethite and limonite are two of the minerals that are often found as bog irons and they are also two of the minerals that are most commonly inclusions in fire quartz okay so inclusions in fire quartz range in color from red to orange to brown and they are typically in clearly defined shapes inside a piece of relatively clear quartz Examples that have more diffuse inclusions that sort of color the whole stone so that you get sort of a just a muddy red color in your quartz, especially when they're opaque instead of translucent, are instead usually marketed as red strawberry or tangerine quartz. Oh, interesting. But technically, these are all the same kind of quartz. They're just clear quartz with iron inclusions. Okay. Just they're marketed differently because they have different oh. appearances. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And it's basically impossible to tell what type of mineral inclusion you have in an individual stone by like looking at it, right? Gotcha. So you won't be able to tell you'd if you have, have to do it under a microscope or something. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to do like science to right, it right. to figure out if you had hematite, goethite, or limonite inclusions. Gotcha. gotcha. But we know there's an ite. There's an ite in there. There's somewhere. an ite yeah. in there. 
Because fire quartz has, it's one of those mixed minerals Mm -hmm. where you have two minerals that have, you know, strong qualities of their own. And because it's very hard to tell which mineral you have in a piece of fire quartz, fire quartz is an extremely wide ranging in terms of its personality. Okay. Right? It's slightly tunable because what they all have in common is the clear quartz and clear quartz by nature is a a highly tunable stone. Right. Mm -hmm. So fire quartz will be tunable a little bit, but not to the extent a clear unincluded piece of clear quartz would be. Right. Because most of the tuning has already happened through the inclusion of of the other minerals, of the iron bearing minerals. Yeah. Of the ite. Of the ite. Yes. (laughs) The commonalities that you'll find in fire quartz is that these are all iron bearing minerals so they all bring iron properties with them okay so they all bring strength they're all relatively energetically like positive like Mm -hmm. active Mm -hmm. a lot of fire quartz has sort of a sun or a solar association so if you do a lot of work with solar deities or for solar festivals Mm -hmm. uh, fire quartz is good for that often got a masculine tone because iron has a very masculine tone gotcha but the thing that I think is really interesting about fire quartz is, although it's called fire quartz, so you'd think its elemental affiliation would be with fire, right? right. Mm-hmm. Because goethite and limonite are bog iron minerals, they're water affiliated, oh, right? Okay. So yeah. those inclusions have water affiliations through oh, the bog. Interesting. And iron has fire earth associations, right? And mm-hmm. quartz has earth air associations. Okay. So you get a very a, a very elementally versatile stone. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things where it definitely varies from piece to piece. You're definitely going to have to like go and touch up on a whole bunch of pieces of fire quartz right. to sort to of figure out yeah, to, so, to sort of really to, work with you. That's going to work with you and that's going to be tuned to the element you're looking for. Because, like, if you Mm. need a piece of fire quartz that's, like, strongly fire-affiliated, you can absolutely find one, but you're going to have to go searching because some of them will be leaning a little more in the water direction, some of them will be leaning a little more in an earth direction. Gotcha. That's fascinating. Wow. Yeah. The one other thing I can say for fire quartz is that if you're in a situation where you can't light a candle because of a smoke detector or it's not safe for you to be around fire for whatever reason. Like if you're in a hotel. If you're in a hotel, uh, if you just have like a like a pyromania problem where mm-hmm. it's not safe for you to be around fire, mm-hmm. yep. right? You can use a fire attuned piece of fire quartz, which is still probably the most common elemental attunement for fire quartz. Right. Even though I do suggest like go touch up on them right. and double check because some of them will have a water affiliation. But if you can get a fire attuned piece of fire quartz, mm-hmm. you can sub that in for a candle. If oh, you're, yeah, because yeah. it's got enough of that energy in it. Right. And especially if you get a piece of nice clear quartz that has a really strong inclusion inside it, if you can hold that up to the light and just turn that, you so can sort of, flickering. you can sort of simulate a candle flame oh, experience, which could cool. be very useful for you in like a meditation practice yeah. or for spell work if you need a candle but can't have one. Right. That's very cool. I like that idea. So, Could you also get a candle and stick the fire quartz on top of it so it looks like a flame? Yeah, yes. Yeah, you yeah. could get like an unlit candle yeah, yeah. and and put a small piece of fire quartz where the wick is. Yeah. Yeah, that would yeah. absolutely work. Yeah. That's so, very cool. Yeah, it's a, I think that's a good way for, you know, for all the preparations you've done mm-hmm. for the candle to get it ready. You can yeah, still yeah. do this without having to actually burn it. Yeah, if you wanted to dress a candle <laughs> right. and everything, mm-hmm. yeah, you could absolutely do that. In fact, you could... 
dress your candle and everything and then could melt like the top of the candle mm-hmm. against like an iron yep attach and then the... attach the stone to the top while the wax is still warm yeah and i think that would work and then that would be something you could use over and over exactly right. yeah for similar spells all right that's it for oats stone Best one so far. I know. I was gonna like poke him. To see him. <laughs> run out of air. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> You're a goofball. So, what? Tell me a little bit more about your path, because I don't know what your path is. Sure. So, I am Carol lineage tradition. We call it a Paco as opposed to a shaman. Essentially, uh, the short version is that when the Inca Empire was invaded by the conquistadores, mm-hmm. the priests went high up into the mountains to hide, and they're living at levels that are so high that humans are right on the edge of where humans need oxygen mm-hmm. bottles. Mm-hmm. And obviously they knew they were there, but the conquistadores didn't, and they would come down and go back up and that sort of thing. And it wasn't until interest started in Machu Picchu and that sort of thing that they kind of were more known about and it would come down more frequently. And so these are the traditions that are left over from the priest class of of the Inca Empire. And where they're at now, like so many places in the world, you know, there's a lot of poverty. And so the young folk, when they were coming down to go to Cusco or Lima or something, they were getting much better jobs. they weren't interested in mm-hmm. staying up in the mountains and pursuing right. traditions. Mm-hmm. And so the elders kind of started sharing it with outsiders a little bit. And through them, they, were, they taught my teacher, Mateo, and Mateo taught me, and now I have students of my own. So. Interesting. What drew you to that? I wish I could tell you. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, because my, my background is, is Norse and, and uh, Slavic, and so obviously those incorporated into my practices as well, but this will date me a little bit. I think the uh, my first real forays into paganism were through AOL chat rooms. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. And I have this... I'm right there with you. I had this screen <laughs> name uh, uh, Two Snakes, which is still on some of my badges and uh-huh. that sort of thing when I go to pagan events. And there was another person in the room named, uh, the screen named Snake Will. And, wow, you live in Ann Arbor. Wow, you have been taught in all these various traditions, including these shamanic traditions. Okay, you're going to teach me. And at that point, Mateo said, I am not taking on any students. So about a year and a half of badgering, I became her first student. <laughs> and, and yeah, that's where we ended that's up very now. Cool. Yeah, so, very cool. So now I'm at the point now where I'm integrating their traditions into the more local traditions. I'm having more contact with the Ojibwe elders. I'm, I'm learning how I incorporate all these different things together. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually a carrier of two medicine bundles. I have one that I made myself, and there was one from an elder in Peru that through happenstance ended up in the United States, and I'm the carrier of that one as well until I can return it to Peru. So. Oh, very cool. It's very cool. Yeah. And how did you get into your path, Saren? Kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> so originally when I, I was a, a Catholic until I was age 18, I uh, started investigating psychic abilities, phenomena, that kind of thing around age 13, looking into ESP. So I was having experiences the Catholic Church had a really hard time explaining. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. I had a Wiccan classmate who talked with me on and off about, and I felt really uncomfortable with the, the pentacle at the time because you know all its that's uh, the devil's devil. <laughs> I, I credit Cat to this day of getting in my face and saying, "You need to check your bias and you need to do your damn research." And I went, "Oh fucking K." <laughs> I went on what was the internet at the time and did a lot of research and did a lot of printing off of articles and did a lot of soul searching and found that I had a goddess who was calling to me 
Bringing that goddess was Bridget at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, around age 18, I had a sit down with Yahweh and said, okay, I think this is where we part ways. I had a very amicable separation, despite being a confirmed Catholic, and felt released from my oaths and went on my way. Sometime later, about a year or so after this, I ran into my first teachers. I became a priest of Anubis. I was a ceremonial magician, and I didn't want a damn thing to do with the Norse. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'd seen enough of the blood and iron crowd that mm -hmm. I didn't want to have any interactions, because I've known enough racist jaggles who were wearing the symbols and spouting the blood and soil shit. I don't want nothing to do with that. <laughs> Odin grabbed me kicking and screaming after a really powerful meditation experience. I think I've talked about this on both our shows before, so go listen to the shows. <laughs> um, but long story short, after a really powerful, God's guided meditation experience, I, I realized that I couldn't ignore Odin anymore and then started following him about 11 years ago now and immediately got launched into doing priest work with him and doing shaman work with him. Now, I fought that label tooth and nail. Mm -hmm. And poor, poor Jim, we had, we had only recently met when, right. when he had landed the song. And I'm like, what do I do? This isn't my word. <laughs> That's nice. So the word I'm more comfortable with is Vetor uh, Worker or Spirit Worker. And so Odin's been just kicking me in the ass longer since. About the time where he dragged me out of the path is where I met my elder. And she got my head straight and got me to where I am now. That's awesome. That's amazing. Okay, earlier when we were talking, you guys said that the word shaman or shamanic has been kind of co-opted and yeah. is being used, like, vicariously. Mm -hmm. What... Is what do you mean by that? Is it is it like just in the words of Raven Caldera? It's a public horse. You know, yeah. is is somebody you know is somebody are, are people using it inappropriately? Are they just saying it yeah. sounds cool? So some this people is it. are because it's become a really great marketing word. Right? Yeah, okay. someone can go, someone can be a Reiki and they're only getting a certain amount of clients, but all of a sudden they're a shamanic Reiki practitioner uh, and they see a lot more clients. Yep. And, and you can sell shamanic doodads that you couldn't sell otherwise, mm -hmm. and this and that and the other thing. And so it is a really charged word. And, and Sarah and I, one of our one of our first episodes, mm -hmm. we, we really sat down and unpacked it. And we are very conscious of the fact that we use this word because that's the word that people are going to know. So we're going to recognize. Find us, exactly. Right. Yeah. But we're very conscious. I will allow the, the term shaman gym to be used because other people call me that. That's not my choice. Right. But I usually refer to myself as a shamanic practitioner. Yep. Mm -hmm. It means I have some of the skill set, but I don't belong to a culture where shamanism is part of the over Right. Culture. And say again yeah. what the term for what you do is? Uh, Paco. Paco. Okay. Yeah, I we considering that it took me about six months to accept when Odin first grabbed a hold of me and said, you're going to use this damn word, how much fighting it took. <laughs> and I'm still not comfortable with the term. Mm -hmm. And spirit worker gets the idea across well. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, I'd have to explain what the hell Vetevurker is between explaining the Norse and the German. Right. Or just the Norse, anyway. And so it, it's taken some time for me to really kind of chew down and, and digest that. But the question at the end of the day, and one that Odin kept raising is, is anybody going to know what the hell you're talking about? Right. Mm -hmm. um, How are the people who need you going right. to find you? Yeah. Right. That was his consistent point. That was actually yeah. a point that Jim kept raising. Yeah. Right. Was, okay, that's great that you're having this conflict and all, but is anybody going to know what the hell you're doing? Right. And once, once they know you, then you can unpack the term a little bit. Mm. But yeah. if, if that's how they're going to find you... It's interesting because we're meeting with Ken Day oh, right, right. At, at 7 tonight, so oh, okay. talking about shamanism. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. We'll probably so continue to have this conversation. Yeah. Exactly. 
exactly. So I guess that would be my, my next question is, okay, so I didn't realize that the term is being co-opted to just be a marketing tool. Absolutely. And so how does somebody who is honestly interested or seeking uh, a shamanic practice or someone to help them through their seeking a shaman, how do they tell the fakes from the, the real thing? Who <laughs> this is fraught. Right. I, I would say there's a couple things that you're going to look for. You're going to look for the people that use the term themselves, that call themselves a shaman, seem to have some sort of joy or revelry or use it in a boastful way, right? If you unpack the term, really, it's, it's about a spirit worker that serves a community by interacting with the spirits. And the yeah. community I serve might be the pagan community, might be humans, it might be the rock people. It all depends. But if they're not, you can also know them by their actions. If they're not in service to a community, putting that community's needs before their own, kind of got to question what they're doing. Yeah, it's not necessarily like a taboo thing for them to make money off mm -hmm. of doing service. Mm -hmm. That depends on communities. So it's it's also you got to really question which community they're part of, because. Korean shamans are going to have their own thing. They're going to be called their own thing. Mudang is one of the ones that I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. The event are going to have their own, like, here's the qualifications. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, the northern tradition lineage that I'm part of has its own qualifications. And if I can't vouch for you, I'm sorry, you're just not one. Mm -hmm. And that's where boundaries and communication really come into play. It's where podcasts come into play. Mm -hmm. It's where these resources really play an important part because separating the ice cream from the bullshit is really hard. And <laughs> everybody's insisting the bullshit's ice cream. Right, right. right. And, so, and you can always ask around. Right. You're going to know people. Right, there should be, your shaman should have references. Right, right. exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to give you references to the people that have come to my ceremonies. I'm going to be able to give you references to people that I've done like a cleansing for or something, not following my tradition, heck, someone Mark Pagan or anything, but they'll still be able to give me a, a good reference. I think that is the kind of thing that you've got to look for. Okay. How are you doing your fire ceremony here? <laughs> That's a secret. This won't be heard until afterwards. That's true. So, but now I'll know. <laughs> um, the last one that I did at Pagan Fest is being a template for it. Okay. So, at Pagan Fest, we, we were having a lot of rain. Yes, right? yeah, I remember. And so the they asked me, do you want to still do the fire ceremony? Well, my, my students and I, it doesn't matter. If it's a blizzard, I'll be outside doing it. I don't care. It doesn't make any difference to me. But I know a lot of people that come to Pagan Fest enjoy the fire ceremony. And some of them have mobility limitations, mm -hmm. right? So I'm like, I don't want to deny them the ceremony, yet at the same point in time, I, I want to have them be able to access it, that sort of thing. So what we're working with is a little bit of chaos magic influence. Thanks, Andrea. We are using a certain charged crystal. We're going to be visualizing the entire ceremony and get people into a very deep altered state. And that crystal is going to capture that moment of transformation. Then when everybody's done, we'll go outside and actually have a really quick five minute fire. Gotcha. Release. Gotcha. Okay, so thank you guys so thank much you, for, really for spending time with us, and this has been fun. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this has been a fun. So conversation. if people want to this. find around Grandfather Fire, they can go to just, you can go to Anchor.fm or go to your favorite podcast app and just type mm -hmm. it in. It should show right up. Okay, and we'll link this uh, in the links under our, our episode too mm -hmm. uh, yep. on the website. If you get our episodes through the website, although I don't think most people do, like and the then you can find us at threepagansinacat.com. Yep. Yeah, three the number. 
number three, pagansandacat.com yep. is the website. And your website. Otherwise, y'all know where to get it. <laughs> so we are uh, around the grandfatherfire.fm uh, or acre.fm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and then for your email contact. Uh, you can find me at jim at thewanderingowl.com. You can find me on Instagram as wanderingwhitehat. Or you can find me as James at the Owl on Twitter. So mine is, uh, my website is sarenth.wordpress.com. You can get a hold of me at sarenth at gmail.com, S-A-R-E-N-T-H. And I, on Twitter, at sarenth. Nice. His blog is also good, by the way. I, I do read that. Surprise. That's a shocker. Uh-huh. Yep. All right, so that's it. All yep. right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank this you. This has been Three Pagans and a Cat and Around Grandfather Fire together. Around a brown table in a hotel room, but it's close (laughs) enough. We're doing our best. It's a metaphorical fire. All right, bye. Bye. (laughs) Our third commercial today comes from our Tiger Crystal for Apothecary Teas. This shop produces fragrant, aesthetically beautiful teas to delight all the senses with handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green. Their current collection, Starcross Lovers, unites the ancient warring houses of coffee and tea with a strategic Earl Grey and Coffee Bean Romeo scattered with blue cornflower and blushing Juliet in Rubeus and Coffee Bean with rose petals and the lush gunpowder green and Coffee Bean with lemon balm, ginger, and anise faded that brings them together. <laughs> Do yourself a flavor and splash out for a 7-ounce bag at $18 before you find yourself staring mournfully into an empty 3-ounce bag that once held a glorious tea. Find them at apothecaryteastore.com or on Facebook at Apothecary Teas, LLC. I think that's it, though, right? I mean, Yeah, we did all our segments. Yep. Well, you have to tell people, you know, where to find oh, us, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. I think, I did, didn't I do that at the end of the Grand Yeah, Fire? you did. Did you? You said, yeah. here's our website. Yeah, and they did theirs. Yep. Okay. So I don't need to do that again. Yeah, oh, well. we're good. So okay. I can stop recording. Yep. Yep. Yay! Are we done? You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com. <laughs>